0: all comes welcome in to episode two zero nine of Living Off the Land. I'm Dan here with Steven, Twitterless Steve, coming at you. Tuesday night in uh on a night where we were dodging tornado watches. Yeah. Well uh really didn't not come back technically. To fruition.
1: I mean it is tornado watch across the entirety of the area now. I mean we've had lots of storms earlier this evening and they're still going on now. Um I've heard some unconfirmed reports that we've had sirens going off in parts of the area. Uh so just everybody uh, Batten just, down the hatches! Just stay safe, folks. I mean, it is May. This is uh, this is tornado season, so, uh, you know, who knows? Hopefully Mother Nature will take it easy on us tonight.
0: Tornadic activity. So here we are, episode 209, Living Off the Land, uh, the Cinco de Mayo edition of LOTL. Indeed. And with that, our Beer of the Week this week... It's not a local, uh, not a local brew, but uh, it does help us ring in the Cinco de Mayo season. I am enjoying a Cerveza Modelo Especial, a Modelo, mm. and uh, let me take a nice little delicious, absolutely delicious. Love me some Modelo. As Steve pointed out before we started recording, our uh, good buddy uh, in spirit, because we've never met him, but uh, world champion heavyweight UFC fighter and Cleveland's own Stepe Miocic proudly represents Modelo.
1: Indeed. There was an ad campaign featuring Stepe, and in fact, that <laughs> ad campaign featured uh, several other prominent UFC fighters as well uh, from several years back. None of them matter, though. Only Stepe. Only Steve so
0: anyway, this is the beer of the week, and uh, not too much to uh, to talk about. It is a golden full-flavored Pilsner-style lager with a clean, crisp finish. And, uh, of course, I had to garnish it with a uh, lime wedge. And, uh, yeah, it's brewed in Mexico, 4.4% alcohol, ABV. Uh ba 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 ba
1: coming to you straight from the Cerve- cervecería Mexicano de Modelo and SA de CV in Mexico City. Mhm.
0: It is brewed and bottled by Is that what you just said? Yes. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I go, hmm, I wasn't listening." <laughs> I was trying yep. to read the label on the yeah, Give me yep. a break. Give me a break. Mexico City. It's it's huge. Yeah. Uh I love the uh the uh, bottle design, I think it's it's cool, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, that quick and easy. That is the uh, the beer of the week. I'm gonna go ahead and give a Modelo a 7.3 rating. All right, love Modelo. Uh, this is a fantastic summer grilling beer, uh, summer grilling season beer, uh, and uh, take down a uh, a lot of these. So actually, thanks be to my dad who brought these over. I had my parents over on Sunday, um, made tacos and had them over um, for lunch, and my dad brought this six-pack over. So um, we did not actually crack into it. We cracked into some other beers that I had in the fridge and uh, decided to hold off on this until uh, today, tonight, for the beer of the week because this week is Thursday, is Cinco de Mayo.
1: So... So many great stories involving my dad and Cinco de Mayos, most of which I cannot tell on this podcast. (laughs) Um, The one I told you from earlier before the show and then also the other one I remember is when uh, he was listening to this radio program on NPR one time and they – the host said something about Cinco de Mayo being Mexican Independence Day. <laughs> this is one of my all-time it is, favorites. It is not Mexican Independence. What exactly Day? did he say? So, he he called it. Give, give us
0: the give us the give us the playback. <laughs> give us the give us the radio <laughs> host and then and then your dad calling in.
1: So, the host's talking about how Cinco de Mayo and its importance <clears throat> and all this and, you know, what what it really is is when the Mexicans repelled the French um, it was not the uh, Independence Day of Mexico that was actually September the 16th which oddly enough is my mother's birthday shout out MB shout out uh, but anyway he calls in and he literally just goes steaming right for the jugular right at the start and he says listen here you gringo <laughs> uh, and <laughs> And just lay this to the sky, a new one. Yeah, he was like, "Listen here,
0: you effing gringo!
1: Cinco Cinco de
0: Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Your dad is the best. Your dad
0: is absolutely hilarious. Michael Stefano, shout out if you're listening. Um, Absolutely fantastic. He's 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 the bomb. He's the best.
1: If you ever catch us off off the line. there's so many stories we could tell you about this. Offline? Yeah. What are you, stuck in
0: 1998? No, hey, catch me offline. <laughs> How about if you'd see it? I don't know. Whatever.
1: Anyway, um, continuing yeah. with the Cinco de Mayo theme, we, uh, for a better known neighborhood. Let's get a little beanac. We are heading to the the barrio, so to speak, the biggest Hispanic community in Cleveland. I am talking about Clark Fulton. This is a neighborhood that is just to the south of Ohio City, just to the west of Tremont. It is bordered by Scranton Road in the east by uh, wait a bit, by Clark Avenue in the north and is bordered by West 49th Street in the west and then it heads down toward I-71 in the south. It actually goes up to I90. it's well it, it defines Ohio City as going down toward Clark Avenue. I would say that I90 is more of the the normal boundary between the two uh for sake of argument and this is this is a very heavily hispanic community it's a very heavy puerto rican community first and foremost but you have uh a corridor where you have uh many different nationalities you have colombian you have ecuadorian you have some of south, northern south america you've got some from the isle influence from the islands dominican uh, you know some of that and then also uh over towards central america um guatemala uh panama and then of course, Mexico as well. Um, you actually, there's actually right along, um, right along Clark Avenue near West 25th Street. You actually have a uh, display of a whole bunch of national flags from Latin America, and it's it's actually pretty neat. It's actually they're not actually flags; they're they're painted metal uh, display. When you talk about major corridors in our neighborhoods here, um, you know where is the main focal point or the center of activity? Uh, most of this neighborhood... you got two main corridors. One is along West 25th Street near Mm -hmm. Metro Health Medical Center, which is right on the southwest corner of this neighborhood. Um, Over there is more like your more chain kind of stuff. Uh, But then over... We do have Half Moon Bakery, which is actually one of the more prominent bakeries in the the region.
0: We've reviewed it on LOTL. Mm -hmm. I think Ryan
1: went there. And then over... Toward Fulton Road, that is—Fulton Road kind of goes north-south, or actually southwest to northeast. That's pretty much dead center of this neighborhood. And within there, that's where you have uh, some of your prominent local establishments. Uh, just looking at it here, the, the first one, I'll, I'll go from the north end and go southward. Johnny's Bar on Fulton. This is a place where I have dropped many people off in my lift car. Uh, this one's not really Hispanic per se, but um, it's actually owned by an Italian. Uh, according to Google, uh, four point seven stars. Uh, it's not just. It says it's a bar, but it's not just a bar. It's also a, um, has sit down restaurant food as well, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Ups. It also it terms it as north upscale. <coughs> can talk upscale Northern Italian eats served in a vibrant vintage setting with a seasonal patio. Huh. This is. This is at 3164 Fulton Road in Cleveland on the north end of the Clark Fulton neighborhood. It's right across the street from St. Rocco Parish, actually, which I got to tell you, some of the churches in this area, There, there is a corridor along Fulton between Newark Avenue and Carlisle Avenue where there must be like four or five churches, like all right in a row. And mm-hmm. some of them are some of the most ordained and nicest in the city outside of downtown honestly uh pretty neat to, to just kind of if you ever want to just if it's a nice day walking around that little corridor it's actually you almost could think that you're in Latin, Latin America for a sec just the way that some of them are designed as you go further south down Fulton Road you come across a few other nice uh, places to hit uh Las Dos Fronteras is restaurant is located at the corner of Carlisle and Fulton this is another pretty highly rated restaurant. Uh, this is a Mexican establishment, and it could be a place to go visit on Thursday night if you're willing to go for it. Uh, this is your typical Mexican food, you know, refried beans, uh, tortillas, the, um, the fajitas, enchiladas. They got uh, Naderos as well, uh, if you're into that. Um, as you go further down the road, uh, you come down to Benny's, which is a sports bar and a Latin restaurant, which is at the corner of Woodbridge Court and Fulton Road, which is actually right across the street from the uh, Cleveland uh, Police Second District Police Station. This one is four point three stars. This is almost more your. I don't know if this is like a place where some of the local community gathers for soccer matches. I, I sort of get that sort of a vibe from this place. Mm. Um, it's if if Johnny's is is a little bit more upscale. This is like you know a little more. Um, Corner, hole-in-the-wall type of place. Dive-ish. I wouldn't just say outright dive. I mean, it's it's a little bit wide open in there. They got pool tables in there, which is nice. Um, So that's Benny's Sports Bar. That's at, uh, again, corner of Woodbridge and Fulton. And then you get down to almost I-71 at that point. uh, The public library branch is just south of there. Uh, The neighborhood here is... As you go around, it's just – the residential neighborhoods are kind of nondescript, but this is an area that's starting to see – much like what you would see in Huff and Fairfax further on the east side, you're starting to see some of the spill-off investment from places like Ohio City and Detroit Shoreway further north. As people have gotten priced out of there, they're starting to move their way down toward Clark Fulton, which is actually kind of interesting because – Where we've seen the majority of the investment in Cleveland's neighborhoods up to this point, it's been mostly in the more whiter communities. You are starting to see it on the east side again in places like Huff, Fairfax, and Glenville, which is is great because that's a majority African-American part of the city. And now you're starting to see it here in in Clark Fulton, too. But Clark Fulton has a lot further to come back because this neighborhood was really rough for a very long period of time. The average home price in Clark Fulton is still less than $50,000. Hmm. So it's 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 gotta work further away to come back than Ohio City and even Detroit Shoreway, even though Detroit Shoreway was not in great shape ten years ago. Uh but it's already starting to happen. Started on the West Twenty Fifth Corridor, it started to move over toward Fulton Road now, and honestly that whole eastern side of it is now in better shape than I would say the western end of the neighborhood. Um but again, you gotta start somewhere and the fact that it's happening in a majority-minority part of the city is very encouraging to see.
0: Uh, very notably, uh, Platform has a, uh, the sour arm of their brewery. They have a location in Clark Fulton right, right over by uh, Metro. Uh, oh, my gosh. A Funkin' Ship, it's called. Oh, okay. It is a bar brewery that uh, specializes in serving sours, and I've been there a few times. It's a really cool place. Uh, their outdoor area is almost like a backyardish type area. It's really cool. Um, they don't just have Sours. They also have some of the normal platform offerings like Hayes Jude and um, New Cleveland and uh, Speed Merchant and stuff like that.
1: But uh, that's a really cool spot. Funkin' ship is located at the corner of Sackett Avenue and West 32nd Street, just off of the West 25th corridor. It's actually almost smack dab between uh fulton and west 25th which is an interesting location because again when you're talking about building up a neighborhood with the two commercial corridors that's mostly all residential right around there so to have a, a brewery just located right there is actually a pretty nice thing so that uh i mean that more or less does it um that's clark fulton that's our 13th neighborhood that we've lucky done number now. 13 you can put that one on the board. We're going to put it on the board, and yes, as I showed, I actually showed Dan this uh, um, earlier this afternoon. I'm going to be posting later tonight the the whole geography of Cleveland and the inner ring suburbs, all the areas that we've covered up to this point, and uh, you'll you'll see that on the probably on the LTL page tomorrow. So, um, just kind of giving you a bird's eye view of everywhere we've been and where we may still have to go as we go through BNAC.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I've got an out of town BNAC uh, to talk about. Oh, all right. So, uh, my cousin Marcus O'Malley uh, is a Division One baseball player at Virginia Commonwealth University, and they are in the Atlantic Ten Conference. And they were playing in the University of Dayton this weekend. Oh wait, so so who does he play for? Plays for VCU the Rams. The Rams. Yeah. So we went down to Dayton. Uh, long, long. Long trip, because we drove down there, and about an hour in, I got a text from Marcus saying that the game was pushed back two hours because of a rainstorm that was coming into the area. So we got down there about three and a half hours before the game.
1: (laughs) Tailgate time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was funny. We actually actually did for about 15 minutes. It was hilarious. We got out once we got there, because everybody needed to get out and stretch and whatever. And my mom and my grandmother made, like, sandwiches and stuff for us to eat for lunch. And uh, so we literally just sat in the parking lot of the baseball stadium and uh, just tailgated, basically. And it was funny. It was <clears throat> the Dayton players uh, were coming in, you know, to warm up and whatever before the game. And so they were getting out of their cars, walking into the, the, their locker room area, and they were just looking at us like, what the hell going on? <laughs> and none of us really had VCU gear on, so they didn't know if we were here for them or for VCU. Um, so it was pretty funny to see, uh, the look on some of their faces, but, uh, but yeah, so we had some time to, uh, to walk, to, uh, kind of explore, uh, the, have you ever been to the University of Dayton?
1: I have been there. I actually, uh, that was my number two choice of universities to go to behind Bowling Green. So okay. yeah, I'm very a, familiar uh, with the area.
0: I knew this, but. When it was brought up on saturday i i you know I'd forgotten, and i just I realized it again. I didn't know University of Dayton's a private Catholic school. it is I had no yep. idea you think University of Dayton like you think yeah, it's just the it's the state school in Dayton and i went but it's to, not.
1: I went to there and to Xavier on the same college visit back in two thousand and five they're they're both yep. beautiful Catholic campus schools,
0: very nice campus um I will say the city of dayton um it Sort of reminded me of like just the, the layout and the size and it sort of reminded me of Akron.
1: Oh yeah. It's as as very the city? similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I will say though that we drove around, I don't know if we were just driving around the wrong areas. There was like nothing to do. <laughs> nothing. They had one street. What day of the week did you go? It was Saturday. Oh. Mm. Um we we ended up finding ourselves to an Irish bar. Called the Dublin, and that was a pretty cool place. Uh, it did an Irish car bomb there, but uh, yeesh. Um, <laughs> me and Mike, my, Mike was talking about it, and I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." Nobody else wanted to do one. What so. was your rating on that Irish car bomb? Well, I mean, they all taste the same. Yeah. but uh, <clears throat> it's just Guinness, Jameson, and Baileys. It's all it is. It's a shot, shot of Baileys and Jameson, half a half a pint of Guinness. You drop the shot in the uh, in the Guinness, and then you just chug it. So I made Mike look like a fool. I just chugged him right under the bar. Ah! But, uh, but it was fun. Uh, then we, we kind of walked around a little bit. It, it was like kind of like a ghost town, and there was just some weird shops down, down this one street that we, uh, you know, there was some adult-themed shops, you know, <laughs> shops where there were signs in the, uh, in the, uh, in the window talking about uh, peep shows and stuff like that. I was just like, what the hell is going on?
1: male enhancement in three to five seconds
0: no there's not that tell you that much maybe in about three to five days um but uh so we wandered around a little bit it did rain like it did rain before the game so it was actually a good thing that they pushed the game back because for about a half hour stretch it poured um down there right right when the game was supposed to start so anyway we go to the game uh, VCU ends up winning the game. It was cool to see Marcus play. He made some really cool plays in the field. Had a tough day at the plate, but, you know, you'll have that. Uh, it's cool. The next day he actually made up for it with a couple hits. So um, all in all, that was cool. And then I got to say, the reason why I really wanted to bring this up, uh, we we went took Marcus to, uh, to dinner um, after and uh, just, like, went on Google and just searched – Restaurants in Dayton, and this pizza place came up called Old Scratch Pizza and Beer. I rave so much about Il Rioni here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you right now, this pizza was almost as good. Wow. Beats every other place here in Cleveland. Not even close, but it's not quite Il Rioni just because the style is a little bit different. It was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Wow absolutely fantastic and i love the concept of it there's no concept of of it up here which i wish there was but the concept is you walk in and you walk up to the counter and you order your pizza we had a group of like nine so we ordered like six pizzas so you order your pizza you pay right there so like there's no you know when you're done eating awkward like wait for the server to come over with your check and then Take the card, run it, come back, then you got a tip, and then blah, 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 blah. Right. You take care of all that up front. Then, once you order your pizzas, uh, you slide over to the drink station and bar area. You want a beer? You want a drink? Soft drink? Whatever? Water? You order it right there. So, you take your drinks, then you order that, you take your drinks to the table that they had found. And for us, it was a little bit difficult because we had nine there, so we had to wait a little bit until a table opened up because it was slammed busy. So then you just sit down, you wait for your pizza to get to, to come over. They give uh they, they put a little uh ta uh little uh tray with your uh, table number on it and then somebody just brings over your pizzas. You eat and when you're done, you're done. You get up and leave. Mm. Like I said, you don't gotta wait for server to come over and uh say uh check please, blah 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 blah, all that. When you're done eating, you're done.
1: Certainly so, stops people from dining and dashing. Yeah, getting
0: getting people to pay up front. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh it was absolutely fantastic. It it was it's it's billed as like a Neapolitan style uh pizza place. And I can see that a little bit, but it actually was kind of like a twist between Neapolitan and Roman style. Roman is more okay. thin, crispy. It was like a thin it was like a crispy Neapolitan. Okay. Neapolitan is very like it's almost like a loaf it's almost like the crust is almost like a loaf of bread. Like it's you know, you, you push down you push down on the crust and the crust like pops back up. You know? Woo-hoo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but this was much more like crisp, which is which is what I love. I thin, crispy, that's my pizza. That's why I like New York style, New Haven style, stuff like that. But it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, not quite Il Rioni, but um, if I ever have a reason to go back to Dayton, that's
1: where I'm going to eat. I'm gonna have to ask my friend Carl Henderson if he's ever been there. Oh, it's so—he so he lives in downtown Dayton.
0: So it's new. It, it, I think it opened in October of last year. So it's only been open for about uh, seven months, seven eight months. Uh, but it's so good, so so good. If you if you're if you're ever in Dayton, if you're listening to this right now and you're in Dayton or you live in Dayton, go to Old Scratch Pizza and Beer.
1: You will not be disappointed. Speaking of Dayton, it is primary election night. Um, former mayor of Dayton, Nan Whaley, is running in the Democratic primary for governor. Um, All right, Nan could be a could be a good night for her. We'll see. She's up against John Cranley, who was the former mayor of Cincinnati. Then you enough. just get
0: spanked by Dewine.
1: Speaking, of, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, Mike Dewine, of course, is running for his uh, spot as the Republican nominee for governor again. Yeah, he got
0: um, he already got confirmed as the nominee.
1: Well, that is. As good for him. And, uh, yeah, he definitely uh, – I don't think he's going anywhere, quite frankly. Yeah. But uh, do we know anything about the Senate race? Because that – the Republican Senate primary was just ridiculous. You, well, I'll tell you one thing, Three guys, Raymond. four guys that could potentially win this thing. We do not talk politics on this podcast. So
0: I'm going to shut you. No, it's fine. I yeah. just you, – you did – that wasn't a rule established when you came on. But Dave. we don't talk politics on this podcast, so – Cool. Good for them. Whoever's running, uh, go out and vote. That's about the extent of we're going to talk on this podcast. So, all right. Uh, bu- buh. Where are we going next? What's going on?
1: I don't know. The Guardians. Now i got to shift, shift gears.
0: The Guardians uh, apparently are either going to sweep teams or they're going to get swept. That is the – that's literally uh, – outside of the first series that they split, they've either swept the team they're playing – or they've gotten swept. Weird. Yeah.
1: But Which, also is consistent with the fact that they either score ten plus runs in the game <laughs> or they score no. Or, runs. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. So, um Jose Ramirez is hitting the cover off the ball, and uh, you know, we've had some we've had some pretty good hot starts from guys, but it seems like people are uh starting to level off a bit. Uh talking about Stephen Kwan, Owen Miller. Uh Fran Reyes is just I he just forgot how to hit. Um, pitching's been very good Pitching has kept us in a lot of games uh, But Man I, that This is going to be infuriating If this goes on all year With this uh, either swept or be swept They're either sweep or be swept So hmm. Yeah um.
1: They're 10-12 and 12 on the season right now um, I don't think that's too outside The expectation where we thought they'd be At this point no.
0: Um
1: I'm assuming they're not playing tonight because of the No they got weather. Yeah,
0: they got they got rained out. I think they're I think they're playing a doubleheader tomorrow, which if you're listening to this, it they're playing a doubleheader today. So um yeah. They were supposed to play the Padres. Clevenger was supposed to pitch tonight for the Padres.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well That was a guy that I was really not happy that they got rid of, but I mean for what are you going to do? Reason or another, you know, you make decisions. You do.
0: They got a lot. I mean, to, to be quite honest, they got a lot more back in the Clevenger trade than they did the Francisco Lindor trade. So, I'm excited about some of the um, uh, some of the guys that they have coming up uh, as prospects from that trade. Uh, Gabriel uh, Arias, who we saw for a game up earlier this year, he's he's uh, if he's not our number one prospect in our minor league system, he's right there. Um, Owen Miller is another guy we got. I believe, in the Clevenger trade. He's off to a really hot start uh, with the Guardians. And uh, we got some pitching prospects as well. So um, that is uh, good on that end. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be infuriating and annoying with the Guardians this year. So, Hmm. yeah.
1: The Francisco Lindor trade didn't benefit anybody.
0: No, not at the not at least not to this point. It's
1: starting to look like that trade is almost like the Kyrie Irving trade. You know, that trade didn't benefit anybody either. Yeah, except Frankie doesn't think the the earth is flat. But anyway.
0: Uh yeah, so I mean, here's one thing, this isn't really Guardians related, but uh did you hear the attendance at
1: the Oakland Athletics game last night? <laughs> no but i can only imagine what it was guess 300
0: well no wasn't 300 2400 300 Uh, you asked me to guess so uh well that kind of takes a little bit of a sting out of that one since uh you decided to uh basically uh one sent me on the price is right Mm. thanks for that one yeah um yeah that's just I mean they got to be moving out of Oakland right
1: Yeah they are they're going to Vegas Yeah Wow I mean you can't continue to play in a derelict stadium their derelict football stadium for as long as they have yeah. and have people want to watch the team, and especially if the team is bad. I mean, the, the Athletics haven't always been bad. They've actually been pretty good through a lot of this stretch, but they haven't won championships.
0: And also, ba- I mean, basically be as bad or worse than the Guardians as far as, like, trading away your your players.
1: Yeah. They and don't they, even try to keep players.
0: Yeah. I mean, at least, like, this offseason, this off the Guardians didn't really trade anybody away, but they just didn't sign anybody. The A's traded away a bunch of players. Them and the Reds like traded away their entire teams like in the offseason.
1: You know, this is that just goes to show you that this is not just a Guardians thing. This is systemic in baseball. And this is what yes. happens when you have a sport where you don't have salary caps, where you don't have you know a major nation, you know, national TV contract like the NFL or the NBA has where the majority of your revenue is local TV, yes. which is highly variable based on the market size yeah so you've got those two systemic issues which is which basically makes it so that if you're the dodgers or the yankees like you almost have to really be totally incompetent to not be good
0: yeah yeah absolutely it's just uh, i don't know it's it's almost to the point now where it's like apathetic because it's just it's never going to
1: change yeah well it's part of the reason why baseball is struggling I mean, among other issues. I mean, there's other issues, obviously, but that's a huge reason why baseball is struggling relative to those other sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, We contracted the A's out in our 24 game last week, but, yeah, and I mean, maybe that amounts to blaming the victim in this particular case, but the fact that they haven't been able to build a stadium is somewhat of an indictment of not only only the A's, it is an indictment of the A's, but it is an indictment of the city of Oakland as well. Uh, Noteworthy also that the the Warriors uh, did not build their new arena there. They ended up going across the bay to San Francisco. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And the Raiders, of course,
0: moving out too. Speaking of the 24 game.
1: Yeah. So, last week, I had predicted that this week's 24 game was going to be, quote, ice cold. Icy. Well, well this, we had a scheduling conflict. This was before I realized that, yeah, our guests that we were planning on having for this week – uh, we couldn't do so. We uh, are pushing the the NHL to next week. And this week, Let's instead, well, instead of the ice, we're going to the gridiron.
0: We're going to do it with actual football, football league. league.
1: And this one, this is the one we were originally saving for, well, more or less last, at least among U.S. sports. So instead of having to contract six teams, we got to contract eight. And Ooh. we got to deal with. The fact, the large fact that there are many, I think, more fan bases than twenty-four that deserve to be in the contracted down league, but we still got to get to twenty-four. So some of these cuts are going to be downright cutthroat.
0: Some, but I, I, I have a feeling before we even start this, uh, our listeners are starting to guess on uh, which ones we're going to, and there's a couple obvious
1: ones. There are. As we did went with last week, I'm going to go. I'm going to start off by saying here are the teams that we are not cutting. These are the teams that absolutely positively must stay. Here are the teams I've got on this list the Patriots, the Giants, the Eagles. I'm almost going to throw up before I say this one the Ravens, the Buccaneers.
0: Your list is already different than mine.
1: The Steelers, the Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Broncos the Raiders, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. Cannot cut any of those 15. And the Browns are on that list, too. Yeah, notice I, I did not have the Browns on that list, guys. I agree,
0: I agree with you. I, well, uh, that doesn't matter. They're not getting cut. If they cut, uh, this podcast uh, will be null and void.
1: It's a Cleveland podcast.
0: Um, I Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with uh, – That list, um, except for one team. And uh, who's going first?
1: Do you want to go first, or do you want to have the last pick?
0: Mm, I'll go last. Okay, well,
1: that puts me up first. I I might as well just go for a really obvious one first. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Get out. They are just a, a, I mean, talk about an organization that's is totally at sixes and sevens. That whole Urban Meyer fiasco just I last thought, year. I thought you were going to
0: go. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to keep with your uh, your theme of last week of going with multi multi team markets. It seems
1: like I was going multi team markets the entire time last week with with MLB. But Jacksonville's just so ridiculously terrible. They've been terrible for most of the last fifteen years. They had one random flash in the pan season where they beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs and nearly beat New England to get to the Super Bowl, But like, other than that, I don't know what juju they, they had that year, but other than that, they've done nothing. They've been an embarrassment on and off the field. Um, yeah, they, they need to go flat out. So Jacksonville is out first. All right. Let's get spicy. Okay. Baltimore Ravens. Get the hell out. Are you kidding me? Get out. What? Get out. I had them on my can't cut list. They're cut. Okay. This has to be just straight hatred, nothing else, right? Or is there more that I'm see- not That's seeing? That's the here?
0: city that ripped my football team out of my city. Mm. Get out. Also, uh, their most famous player ever is a murderer, allegedly. Allegedly. Get out. Where's the white suit, Ray? Get out. Mm-hmm. The hell out of here with the Ravens. Frickin' Nevermore, the Rat Birds. Get the hell out of here.
1: All right. Bra- I
0: know I'm breaking my own rule because they've won two Super two Bowls. Two Super
1: Bowls and one semi recently. But as get well. the
0: hell out of here.
1: Okay. Baldwin, how about that? I mean, talk about going for the jugular and talk about controversy. The Ravens have been knocked out. And on the first rotation. Get out. Woo!
0: Got to start it with a bang.
1: So Jacksonville and Baltimore. So this is interesting because now now that basically means the commanders have to stay. And I had them, like, firmly on my cut line.
0: Why do they have to stay?
1: I I mean, technically they don't have to, but you're not going to have a single team from the D.C.-Baltimore area? Ah, Wow.
0: Philly's close enough.
1: Ooh, boy. I mean, the (laughs) command Okay, I'm not going to Okay, I I guess I'm just going to go on to who I got next. Um it's, Who's it's, next? It's, it's not the commanders, even though they're they're also an embarrassment and their owner is a total dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you mentioned multi-team markets. Well, guess what? Let's talk about some multi-team markets here. Let's talk about a team that screwed over another city to become a multi-team market. Let's talk about a team that played in a soccer stadium for two or three seasons while they were building a stadium that they don't even own, that they're a tenant in, and they're only paying a dollar of rent a year to be there. I'm talking about the L.A. P- Chargers. Oh, Pichu's going to kick your ass. Pichu's going to come, and he's going to do a thundershock on me, and I'm going to be, like, writhing on so the floor is your, So is second. your brother. Yeah, but honestly, Wow! The, the okay, Chargers. Okay, so every single time a team from the Midwest or the Northeast plays out in L.A., it is at least 50-50 and possibly majority for the away team in terms of fan makeup. True. I, I'm sorry. It's just they are not a sustainable organization. They're, they're just not. I mean, they've got lots of talent. They've, they've had good teams over the years, but, you know, have they won a Super Bowl? No. Mm-hmm. Right, have they found a way to corner the market on finding ridiculous ways to lose a game? Yes. So I, I don't see why I don't see why I shouldn't cut them, quite frankly. Uh, Boy, you're
0: right. This is tough. Yeah. yeah. This is going to wow.
1: LA Chargers are out, so they're out. That's our t- third team out. We got to do five more of these? We got to do five more. Now, you took out Baltimore, so maybe that's going to make it a little easier, but, I mean, still. All right. Well, I'm going to go
0: – let's go to the other side of the country in another multi-team city. Mm-hmm. This uh, is gonna be my next one. J e t s Jets 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 can jet the hell out of there mm-hmm. and go to the XFL for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> They're out.
1: Even the USFL doesn't want them. They gotta go. To the they XFL.
0: are out. <laughs> and really, it's only it, it's only as much you know going as far as the fact that I, I don't know why these cities need multiple teams. I really don't. I understand there's, what, like 12 million people in New York City? But I, they're not even in
1: New York. East Rutherford, New Jersey. Tra-
0: their training facility is in New Jersey. The stadium is in New Jersey. Call them the New Jersey Jets
1: or the, uh, the East
0: Rutherford Jets.
1: They should call them the New Jersey Jets.
0: Or, or the friggin' uh, Meadowlands Jets or something like that. Mm. My goodness, but get out.
1: We don't have to worry about them We don't have to worry about you know.
0: I mean the the back to back AFCs
1: from BYU who are yeah. big reaches in the draft. And... The
0: the <sighs> the the two year the back to back AFC championship teams aside, what have the Jets done in the last
1: thirty years? And that was that was that was the Bart Scott can't wait yeah. generation. That was about ten Rex years Ryan, ago, I think.
0: Yeah. Sark Manchez. Yeah, March. You know, How did like, Sark Manchez like get to two straight crap AFC championships? on him
1: games? all the time. This guy in the early part of his career was going into New England and beating the Patriots in playoffs. The
0: friggin' butt fumble, man. <laughs> Good old Sark.
1: As, as Peyton Manning once said at the ESPYs, the Knicks were the most embarrassing thing in New York sports, and that includes the time Mark Sanchez ran full steam up his teammate's anus and fumbled <laughs> the football.
0: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: So, yeah. Oh. So the Jets are out. So Those we've got out. the Jaguars, the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Jets are out. That's the first four we have out. Mm-hmm. And now it is back around on me for the fifth pick.
0: This is where it gets. This is where it gets dicey because I don't see an, any more obvious choices. You, There's is,
1: maybe one. You have to make the choice between like success on the field market size are they doing embarrassing things off the field yeah you know was their fan makeup look like yeah you know, there's a lot of factors here for sure um but in terms of just sheer um pathetic performance on the field there's one team that we haven't mentioned yet that we really have to mention and they are t- I gotta cut them quite frankly, even though their market size is decent and their fan support, honestly, is pretty decent. And I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. Oh, man, see, the Lions, that's one where, where, like, normally you would think, yeah, that's an
0: obvious choice just because they friggin' blow. But, man, the Lions just it, have such tra- tradition. You're you're basically it, cutting the Thanksgiving tradition.
1: That's part of the reason I want them gone. Oh, really? Because I don't want them on my television on Thanksgiving <laughs> every year. Okay. All Sorry. Right. I mean, it's but, it, it, but it's it's, but it's embarrassing. It's
0: like I I know, but it's like it's like a nostalgia thing, right? It's like I don't know.
1: Is it nostalgic to watch Mitchell Trubisky just you know throw the ball all over the place and and look like he's the second coming? You know, I
0: well, you know, fortunately, fine I by me. But fortunately, like, at least uh, that I game. I don't was. think I don't think we're gonna see that anytime soon.
1: No, <laughs> well, it's already happened. It's in yesteryear, but. I'm sorry. Yeah, teams that just continue to go three and thirteen, four and twelve every single year. I just uh, zero and sixteen every every so often too. Like, sorry, mm. can't do it. Lions, you are out. That's the fifth team out. Detroit has lost one of their franchises.
0: Oh boy,
1: they still got three more. They'll be okay.
0: So we have to we have to pick three more, right? We I have, two more, more. I have two more. You oh, got two more picks. God. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking between two bird franchises. Okay, I know what one of them is. Not sure what the other one is though.
1: Actually, I know what I think. I know what both of them are.
0: We're gonna go Arizona Cardinals.
1: The Cardinals are Goodbye. out,
0: and uh, mostly for this, uh, they they're another franchise that they've had some success. You know, they did go to a Super Bowl in 2008. One of the reasons why I have a Lingering dislike for them is because they lost, they blew that game to the Steelers.
1: I was just going to ask, is this the why reason you're cutting them? And that, it is. <laughs> that,
0: I mean, it's partially it. It's also partially because I think they have the worst uniforms in all of football. Um, really? Oh yeah. All the lines and the like, weird like stuff. I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's. I'm very traditional when it especially football jerseys. I'm very traditional.
1: And that's a franchise that's anything but traditional, right. pretty
0: much. I do love their stadium, the Giant Toaster, but uh, they get the X for me. Just because, I mean, like you said, there's going to be teams in here that are the hard luck losers. And you've got one more pick, and I swear to God.
1: Well, okay, so if you're looking at this analytically here, <laughs> if we were talking about the theoretical world where the Browns could be cut, the fact that Baltimore is out and the fact that Arizona is out – there i think there are other teams out there that are that are more cuttable than those so like of course that's just my s- dumb opinion so <laughs> the browns are sitting a little bit more pretty than i would have thought at at this point yeah um but i mean you could still make a case for it the other teams i'm looking at right now are all sort of in Almost in the same mold. teams like Cincinnati, teams like Tennessee, teams like Atlanta Atlanta's a little different, but like again, fan support is is sort of an issue there. Fan support's definitely an issue in Cincinnati uh, their current run of success, which is only one season deep notwithstanding. I mean it really just comes down to do you want to eliminate one of the emerging markets in the South? Do you want to uh, knock out one of the traditional markets that maybe doesn't have as much upside in today's world in the north? I can't see cutting anyone else in the West at this point. You've already taken out Arizona and LA Chargers. I don't think anybody else. I think everybody else out West is on my not cut list. (sighs) Boy, I was really looking Bengals here, but the fact that the Ravens are already out, I mean, are you really going to cut two teams out from the AFC North? (sighs) Dan, you really threw me a curveball on that one. Um, Another team that... You know, the Panthers might be one to look at too, and I might already mentioned the Commanders, but again, the fact that the Ravens are out is like I feel like I I can't knock the Commanders out because that's just too big of a market in the you know the DMV, you know part of the country to take one you know, of those teams out. So, I guess in the end, I'm sort of pigeonholed into either knocking out Atlanta or or Nashville at this point, and. I mean, unless I wanted to go really off the board and knock out a team like the Vikings, but, I mean, that that would be pretty Skull! cutthroat, too. Uh, oh, gosh. Boy, you made this really... I thought I knew what I was going to do here, but on two fronts, you taking out the Ravens has just completely, like, huh. mind after me. <laughs> um. So I'm going to eliminate the Atlanta Falcons. That's that that was my other bird team. Yeah, I even though again, you know, the college bowl committees are going to be really upset with us because we've we've taken out Atlanta and Glendale, you know, which are,
0: Well, those those stadiums will still be standing.
1: You know, they'll still be able to use them, but they won't have a full tenant obviously. True. But uh you look at Atlanta and this is a team that, you know, they've had some moderate success over the years, but again, haven't won a Super Bowl and Boy, does that sting, given that they had a 25-point second-half lead in one of those Super Bowls. And if you're going to knock out a team for, for losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, I can knock out a team for losing, in that humiliating fashion, to the Patriots, who I hate. So, and this is also a team that doesn't look like they have any future on the field as well. Uh, they, they look like they're destined for... I mean, you never know in the NFL. I mean, Cincinnati looked like they were going to be grinding for a while, but, you know, they came back and made a Super Bowl this year. But uh, somehow I don't think that's going to happen for the Falcons anytime soon. So, Atlanta, it would be wrong of me through this whole 24 game for you to not lose one of your teams. You kept the Hawks, so <laughs> I'm knocking out the Falcons. All right. So we got one team left. I got to say this has not gone the way I thought it was going to. Dan? Dan? Are you really going to do what I
0: think you might do here? You have no idea how badly I want to play good morning, good afternoon, and good night Pittsburgh. You have no idea. You already knocked out Baltimore. Well, for a different reason. Baltimore is – listen, this this game tonight is making me rethink a little bit who I hate most, Hmm. Pittsburgh or Baltimore, because – If you go back, I hate the Ravens more. And you look at the coverage of when the Browns left, it was actually the Steelers that were one of the organizations, specifically their owner, who fought like hell for the Browns to either stay or get a new franchise. The owner of the Steelers, the Rooney family, they understand and they recognize the importance of a football franchise in the city of Cleveland in the United States of America. For that reason, I actually have some level of respect for the Steelers. On the field, none whatsoever. I could go all Bane in uh, Batman and uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises and just blow up that stadium. <laughs> but... I thought I had my team. Hmm. And then I thought about it, and after I picked the Ravens because of what they did to our beloved Browns in the city of Cleveland, I made a complete 180 on the team that I was going to choose as my last to get rid of in this 24-game NFL edition.
1: I have no idea who you're going to pick. I'm on pins and needles.
0: This city... Uh... Is quickly becoming like the Las Vegas of the Midwest, ish. I don't know where you would consider it, but Hmm. boy, now I'm really confused. This is Bachelorette Capital of the United States. We're going to Nashville, Tennessee, folks. The Tennessee Titans are gone. Oh, wow! Here's my reasoning. Almost the exact same thing that ha- my original team that I was going to eliminate was the Houston Texans. Okay. Almost the exact same thing happened to the Houston Oilers in- for the city of Houston that happened to the Browns. The Oilers were ripped out of the city of Houston and were moved to, ten- to Nashville and became the Tennessee Titans. And then eventually, just like Cleveland, Houston got a team back and for the most part, out of a few playoff appearances, the Houston Texans have been as bad of a franchise as the Browns have been over the last
1: 20 years. The Titans? Yeah. No, the Texans. Oh, the Texans. Yes. Uh, that's, yes. That's I'm actually equa- I'm true. I'm equating Houston to Cleveland here. Okay. With, with the
0: way that they're... so Because
1: yeah, they've been around for 20 years since right. they returned.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I was going to eliminate the Texans, but then I thought about how absolutely hypocritical that would be for me to eliminate the Ravens and then... Eliminate the Texans for completely uh, being complete opposites.
1: So your beef seems to be with teams that have moved out of cities,
0: not just moved, and,
1: but and have possibly achieved success because you've already knocked out. Well, you knocked out three of them: the Ravens, the Cardinals, and the Titans.
0: Not just moved, but in the case of the Ravens and the 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 Titans, I don't think they deserve their franchises, to be honest with you. And with the, with the Ravens, it's more of a it's more of a hatred because if you look back over the history of the NFL. They were actually the original team to get their team ripped out of their uh, city when the Baltimore Colts went to Indianapolis. That's right. But turnabout's fair play when they did that to us uh, in 1995, 96, where uh, 90, the 96 season, 90, 1995, uh, right. when that stupid-ass mayor of Baltimore got on the dais and said, the Browns are indeed coming to Baltimore. Go jump off a cliff. Um yeah, so the Titans, goodbye. You know, I know they've had they've been a team that's had some on field success over the last decade or so, but they did the uh they did Houston dirty and they moved the Oilers. And I know uh I know uh former co host Jordan Gonzalez will uh, love that pick. Yeah, I'm, he, oh, I'm hates sure he will the
1: Titans. He's loving you right now. I and this this is a controversial choice when you consider like like you said, Nashville is a very emerging market and the titans have been a pretty good team on the field in recent years but yeah. again no super bowl wins so no super bowl wins
0: they have even though they're they're uh pretty serious rumblings that they're about to get a new stadium at the time of this game they do not have a new stadium and that stadium not we very should good we should know we've been there yep that stadium sucks not 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 that we should be talking because cleveland brown stadium is not great but you know
1: I would put Brown Stadium over over Nissan Stadium in Nashville. But
0: well, especially not by a lot, but I would. Especially after the the renovations that the Haslems did after they took over ownership of the team. But yeah, so that's my pick. Yeah, some some definite yeah. uh strange ones. I mean, what are what teams would uh were left that you maybe would have eliminated?
1: Well, if we were going another round, I mean, again, I mean, the, the next two teams I'd probably be looking at would be probably the Carolina Panthers or the Cincinnati Bengals. They
0: were, they were, the Panthers were on my list.
1: Charlotte has made out; they have just barely survived twice now and the, you know, with the Hornets and the Panthers.
0: So they have some recent developments that would make them on my list. So, did you know that the Carolina Panthers are three quarters of the way through construction on a new practice facility in Rock Hill, South Carolina?
1: Oh, across the state border.
0: Yes. That building is three-fourths of the way built. The Panthers just pulled out of the deal. Wait, huh? Apparently, the city was not paying their share that they agreed to, and the Panthers said, oh, you're not going to pay? All right, we're out of here. <laughs> that! Bi- I'm not kidding when I tell you that building <laughs> is three-fourths of the way built. It's an $800 million facility.
1: So, literally, they've put $600 million into it, and they're just saying, ah, eh, forget it.
0: Pretty much. <laughs> wow. That alone. That's and, and downright it, incredible. And to be honest with you, uh, if, if I was worth $20 billion, like David Tepper is, the owner of the Panthers, and uh, the city was jerking me around like they just did, I probably would have pulled out of it, too. Yeah. Because, number one, uh, it's in a different state than yeah. my franchise is. And, number two, I'm worth 20 billion dollars
1: I mean let's get one thing straight here geographically this is like the Bengals building a, a facility in Kentucky right I mean, it's it's not right, a right. river but it's pretty much but wow that that's quite the revelation right there why would the leadership in Rock Hill allow something like that that's a picture of the facility as it stands right now okay yeah hmm
0: unbelievable I read that story a couple of weeks ago and I was like wow that and uh, Panthers uh, Stadium is is pretty similar to uh, like Nissan Stadium. The the Panthers not only do they need a new practice facility, they need a new stadium.
1: Bank of America Stadium was built in sort of the same time frame as as Brown Stadium. Yeah, a few years so, before. Yeah, but swear, yeah, I swear I'm not getting political again. But like, I if the if the mayor of Rock Hill, South Carolina, was on the ballot tonight, I wouldn't be voting for that person. Yeah, right. <laughs> not after hearing about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so very so, interesting.
1: So, yeah, so I am like wow. Okay, so I guess I'll, later tonight I'll come up with the re the realigned divisions and everything. Um, looks like geographically we hit every part of the country tonight. So, well, that's good. I mean we'll we'll see how that turns out, but again, the Jaguars, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Jets, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Titans were the eight teams that we have eliminated. From the National Football League in the twenty four game. And then uh, next week? Can't wait to hear the comments on this one. Next week there, sh- there's to be, I, I, I wanna read everybody's feedback on this one.
0: Next week we go here. Where do we go? Get your mullets ready. Call up Barry Melrose.
1: We're going to the National Hockey League. We can't eliminate the Predators after what we did to the Titans tonight, can we? Uh, I mean that—that that would be like—I mean not the, to not to give it away. I actually the Upper South has no sports teams anymore.
0: <laughs> not to get not not to give away my strategy for next week, but
1: uh, they are on my chopping block. Oh my god! Oh well. <laughs> You're not going to be able to set foot in the state of Tennessee ever again.
0: <laughs> uh, which is funny because that's where, that's where a lot of my dad's side of the family is from.
1: Uh. Our, All friend right, so, Ka- our friend Kaylee Smith is going to disown you too. Uh,
0: yeah, so um, not, stick, sticking with the NFL here, the draft was this weekend. And yes, it was. Who... Just off the top of your head, who would you say had the best draft? Oh,
1: boy, I, I couldn't even really tell you. Um, I have a hard time with this every year because you just naturally don't know. Yeah, who's I mean, be yeah, good right. And who's right? Just hypothetically, I mean, but I'll say for me, I it's one of the teams that we just cut.
0: Oh, really? I thought the New York Jets had a phenomenal draft. Okay, phenomenal. Hmm. Um. Another team, I your dad's Eagles, I thought, had a really good night. That's who really I was going to actually
1: bring up because I thought the trade, for trade back Brown. for A.J. Brown I thought was a fantastic move. And, yeah. it, and it, perhaps more importantly than the actual acquisition of A.J. Brown, who is a very good player, what that does show, it shows so much more about the Eagles' direction, that they trust Jalen Hurts, that they're actually going out and getting him You know, proven players, proven weapons in the skill positions you know, as opposed to just drafting guys, which would be good enough, but you know, to go out and get a guy like AJ Brown, that says a lot about where they're they're thinking as a fan base and or as a franchise, and where they're going to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and as we as we kind of switch towards the Browns, Browns didn't have a first round pick; they traded out of the second round. Uh, they had three third round picks, three fourth round picks. Uh, and then a couple of real late rounders. But of note, uh, the Browns drafted a cornerback with their first pick in the third round, which I thought was very interesting because to me it wasn't really an area of need at all.
1: No, not really. Especially not after spending all you did on Denzel Ward. The
0: whole time leading up to the draft, everybody was talking about wide receiver and uh, pass rusher. That's what everybody was talking about. And I thought, actually, I was a, a bit perplexed when the Browns traded out of 44 because uh, they traded with Houston. Houston jumped up to 44 and took a receiver, John Mechie, from Alabama. I was like, wow, I would have loved to have had him at 44. And then another guy I wanted at 44 went the very next pick to Baltimore, David Ajabo, the pass rusher from Michigan. Now with him... He's kind of a stash pick because he's not going to play this year after he tore his Achilles uh, on his pro day. Stash. So he's a stash guy. But he was a guy where if he didn't tear his Achilles, that guy was probably going top ten in the draft this year.
1: Probably, yes.
0: So you're going to have to wait for him. But if he comes back and he's able to come back from the Achilles injury, um, he could really be a force for the Ravens, which sucks. But – Andrew Barry has very rarely made a bad decision um, as GM of the Browns. So
1: I'm going to go ahead and trust him. Jake Uh, Jake Trotter of ESPN uh, wrote that, in fact, he had the similar thoughts as you did. The Browns had glaring needs at wide receiver, defensive tackle, and defensive end. And yet Cleveland traded back out of the second round and selected a corner with its first pick in the third round. At first glance, it's difficult to see where Emerson fits in, at least in the short term. Browns just handed Denzel Ward a contract extension and spent a first round pick last year on Greg Newsome. They also have Grady Williams and Troy Hill in the cornerback room.
0: Well, so that was actually that was that was obviously written uh Friday night because Saturday the Browns traded Troy Hill back to the Los Angeles Rams. So that that makes that draft pick make a little more sense. Um mm. so you know, uh we'll see what what transpires. Um
1: and you had a much uh, better take on Alex Wright, the defensive end who was taken at seventy-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Browns didn't have much uh, in the form of young budding talent along their D line. Snagging Wright gives them a player that fills a need both in the short term, pending Clowney's resigning, and in the long term. Wright should get plenty of opportunities to show what he can do with Garrett commanding all the attention on the opposite side.
0: Yeah, he's very much a uh, he's very much a boomer bust pick. He's. Um... He's he, he's kind of like Clay that the Browns coaching staff needs to mold. Um, he has the ability to be a very good player, but he's very raw. So Browns took him uh, in the third round. They also took a uh, wide receiver from Purdue, David Bell, who
1: number 99
0: overall. He's a guy that does everything well, but he just didn't run well at the Combine. Ran a four seven one forty at the combine. It's pretty slow for a wide receiver. Yeah, you know what he remind you know who he reminds me of? Freddie Barnes? No, oh, Jarvis Landry. Huh. And that lends me to believe that I don't think Jarvis Landry is going to be back on the Browns next year. So
1: yeah, if they're drafting a guy of a similar mold, yeah, I,
0: right. Hmm. Um, this guy David Bell from Purdue catches everything. Uh, he. He played really well against Ohio State the couple times that he played him, and I really like that pick. So we'll see what happens there, and then uh,
1: he had an FBS best two hundred and thirty-two receptions since two thousand nineteen. Yeah, catches and was, catches everything, and that was despite the COVID shortened year in two thousand twenty.
0: I mean, to be honest with you, you, I mean you were correct in your comparison with Freddie Barnes. I just I, for from a Brown standpoint, I'm, I'm going with Jarvis Landry. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I I think I think the Browns overall did well. Um, you know, we'll see. The thing you got to remember is, people were complaining that we didn't have a first round pick this year. Deshaun Watson is your first round pick. You know who your first round pick is next year?
1: Deshaun Watson. Deshaun
0: Watson. You know who your first round pick is in twenty twenty
1: four? Hopefully, Deshaun Watson, Watson. If he's Watson. still on the roster. Oh, <laughs> stop it!
0: Stop it! given a fully guaranteed five-year contract. Stop it!
1: Hey, we took the MVP of the Super, the Senior Bowl in uh, round four. Who's was that? That was Perry and Winfrey. Oh he yes, this guy. A lot of Oklahoma. Did you see? Uh,
0: did you see his um, his post draft Zoom call with the media? No. Oh, you gotta you gotta listen to this. Hold on. Let me see
1: Guys who went on the third day of the draft have post-picked Zoom calls? I didn't. Yeah. With the media? I didn't know that. Hmm? Didn't know that anybody in the media cared about round four, but I guess they do.
0: Oh, where is it? Come on. I should be more prepared. <sighs> mm. Here we go. I'm coming in to kill right away with my boys. I'm lined up next to Miles Garrett, the best.
1: every single day till I can't work no more they will feel me every single day sir I'm gonna give them my all on and off the field anything that is negative in my game I will turn into a positive by the beginning of the season Dog hold dog mentality all P Winfrey says the thing I love most about that is he said I'm gonna work every day until I can't work no more yeah that is yeah I he's... mean that might be lip service but probably not
0: you know, he, he's a fourth-round pick, so he's not a guy that you're really looking to make an enormous impact right away, but he's going to be one of those energy guys where he just makes, like, he comes in and he just makes, like, one play per game that just, like, will get the crowd into it, will make a play, like, tackle for loss or something, and just will energize the entire building. That's what I see with him, especially early on. I mean, maybe if he can develop into a everyday starter or every-down starter for us, that'd be great, but... Uh, I don't know why he fell. Some people had him mocked in the second round. And you know, there's just there's just sometimes situations happen and guys fall in the draft for whatever reason. Hmm. But we were able to scoop him up in the fourth round and and I like it. Um mainly because I mean that's defensive even though we have Miles Garrett, defensive line is our weakest um position group right now because technically Jadevian Clowney hasn't re signed yet. Right. I expect that to happen eventually, but he hasn't, so he's not on the roster. Um, Malik McDowell had his incident this offseason, uh, so who knows what his status is. Uh, Malik Jackson, good veteran, but he's he's well into his 30s now, so you don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, Jordan Elliott is uh, a guy that we took in the third year a couple years ago. That's We're kind of still waiting um, for him to kind of develop. So... Defensive line is a big question. I mean, you, you've got arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL, but the rest of it is questionable at best. So it becomes a little bit more solidified once Jadevian Clowney signs on, signs on that dotted line. But until that happens, it's a major concern.
1: Was was that your your favorite pick of the draft?
0: No. Or no? Okay. Well, my I'll favorite. T- my favorite pick of the draft also happened in round four. You oh. mean just for the Browns?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it so it's the same player that I'm about to bring up. Oh yeah. So I've been saying for a while now, then on group texts and various things, that the Browns basically, um, if they had a better kicker, they could have won the AFC North just all entirely based off of that, mm-hmm. because they lost two games in which they missed kicks and lost by, like two or three points, mm-hmm. largely as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Well, they went out and got Cade York of LSU, yes. who is the top-rated kicker in the draft, with pick number 124, and I love that. Absolutely. That is – you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the Bengals going out and uh, drafting Evan McPherson. Fifth-round pick last, last year. year, yeah. In the fifth round, and the guy was money all through ah. the late part of the season in the playoffs. He's he's the
0: reason – he. You could, you could argue he's the reason they made the playoffs, and you can argue he's the reason that they went
1: to the Super Bowl. That's exactly it. I mean – the, the special teams between the Bengals and the Browns was the difference. Why? Between why the Bengals won the AFC North, and yeah. he didn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm 100 there with you. Um, he was on he, uh, Cade York was on RBS today, and uh, he said that uh, he's hit a 75 yard field goal before. Holy moly! Not in a game. He's just like just like kicking like like by himself like on a field. Did he have tropical
1: storm-force winds behind him, <laughs> or what?
0: I guess. I guess, but jeez, yeah. Um, but really, I mean, it's for me, it's not the distance. Like, I just need somebody that can consistently hit a 45-yarder.
1: Put it, Just put it through.
0: Yeah. And he was, uh, from 50-plus, he was 13 of 15 in his LSU career. That's pretty freaking damn good. Yeah. For a kicker
1: in college? In college, that's unbelievable. Kickers suck in college. Pretty When we were in school... We talked about how bad kickers oh, in the Mac God. and the small conferences were. Now it's like you can barely find good kickers in the power five sometimes. You yeah. know, it's just I mean, the, and that's the... trickled up to the NFL because like twenty years ago we had all these amazing kickers, you know, and now that you just don't see that anymore.
0: The interesting <laughs> thing about Cade York was um he said that he didn't play football until like his senior year of high school. He was a soccer player. Which I mean you mm. see a lot with, yeah, with you NFL do kickers. See that but I, I hope he pans out because, you know, drafting a kicker, if you're going to draft a guy, he better be the guy because you wasted a draft pick. and it, it, Whatever you believe the worth is in a fourth-round pick, um, you know, I'm pretty sure there was only one kicker drafted.
1: I think the odds are much better that you're going to get a hit, a hit on this one than you would a, any other position in round four. Yeah. I mean – and then Kids. and then
0: the uh the Browns predictably uh uh released uh Chris Blewett, which is the the absolute most hilarious name for a kicker I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And the kick is up and Blewett. Uh and uh Ch- and uh McMuffin is also gone. So, no more McMuffin tweets.
1: I mean, that's a better name even than Grant Balfour as a relief pitcher, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, that was my favorite for many years, but Chris blew it. That that even surpasses that. Yep, Chris blew it. So yeah, um
0: that pretty much sums up the draft. Uh Browns also took some uh some other um wide receiver and uh pass rusher in the late rounds, but uh but yeah. So all eyes uh move towards uh OTAs. And We'll see what happens. The, the Browns were on the field yesterday and today. Uh, we got our first sight of Deshaun Watson on a football field for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, we'll see what happens. I think, I think the Browns still have a couple moves up their sleeves. I think they're still going to try and improve the, the wide receiver room, and I, they're definitely, I think, still going to try and improve the, uh, the defensive line room, even on top of hopefully bringing back uh, Jadevian Clowney. So we shall see what happens. Uh so that that is about it that uh I had for tonight. Uh one other thing that uh we kind of wanted to touch on and um I can hear a bunch of people turning off their podcast right now is uh the race for the Scudetto. You mentioned
1: soccer earlier, so
0: in the Serie A there are 3 games left in the season and my AC Milan are 2 points ahead of their crosstown rivals Inter or uh Inter as uh, a lot of Italians like to say with their accents. (laughs) And up two points with three to play. Basically what what happens is AC Milan needs two wins and a tie. Any combination of two wins and a tie, and they are lifting the trophy.
1: They're assured to win a tiebreaker scenario?
0: Yeah, because uh, they took the majority of the points from the head-to-head matchups. Serie
1: A doesn't use goal difference.
0: I believe that's after. Like if they if like if they if they drew both games or one or or like each team won one, then they'll go to goal difference. But okay. Milan has a draw and a win against Inter this year. So. Okay.
1: So they're using the UEFA standard as opposed to the FIFA standard. Yeah. Okay. So
0: uh, two wins and a draw, uh, and that is provided that Inter wins their final three. So Milan has to play Hellas Verona, Atalanta, and Sassuolo. Those are their final three games. Normally, I would say those are very, very tough games. But interestingly enough, I think the Hellas Verona game is going to be the toughest
1: one. I think so, because uh, Sassuolo and Atalanta are in very poor form right now. They're dropping
0: points right now. and And really, both of them are now pretty much out of Europe. So what really do they have to play for?
1: Not really. Those are the teams you want to play for. At, Atalanta not being in European contention is a real surprise. But uh, yeah, they
0: had a really bad second half of the season. Oh, they were
1: awful. That you know, that's another prediction I made at the beginning of the season that did not pan out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so really, you don't want to be playing. Well, you do want to be playing the teams in the mid table, the teams that like Atalanta, like Sassuolo, who really have They're nothing basically to basically just for mailing at this it thing. in. They can't make European football. They're not going to get relegated. They don't have much motivation. So, like, it's counterintuitive, like, compared to a U.S. sports league. You'd want to play the teams that are doing really bad at the end, but in European soccer, because of the threat of relegation getting dropped to the lower league, you may not want to play the teams at the very bottom in the last few weeks that are uh, fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not a bad scenario for Milan to be in. Again, that that Verona game, though, and that's a way, too, I think. So that
0: uh, yeah. be tough. Yeah, I believe so. Uh... I'm just trying to look for Inter's final uh, final games. So Inter plays. They are playing Empoli, Cagliari, and Sampdoria. Those are their final three games.
1: They also, in between that, have the Coppa Italia final against Juventus. And against Juve. Which yeah. might be a little bit of a distraction. So, Yeah. So we shall see. Um, I, I think their hardest game remaining just because of that extra game is gonna be the game at Cagliari on the on May the fifteenth. They're gonna mm-hmm. be they're gonna to have to play where Cagliari will have sat for a week and they'll have to turn around quick. So yeah, so we'll see. I mean you know, I, I was hoping
0: actually that uh, Inter would drop points uh this weekend against Udinese. Udinese is one of the most informed teams in Serie A right now and uh Inter was able to win uh two two to one
1: Controversial penalty in that one.
0: Yeah, it put Inter up two to nothing. Anthony's text to us was hilarious. He's like, I can't believe the rest gave the game to Inter with that penalty. That that penalty happened in like the 30th minute.
1: <laughs> Anthony is the king of giving up on a game way too <laughs> early.
0: <laughs> but it was it was a horrendous penalty call.
1: I mean the V and the worst part about it for me is that I mean Guy slides in and you know the, the attacker just flops over like a fish over him. Ed and the the so it's annoying when that happens. But what I liked about the play was that the referee initially waved it off. Mm-hmm. What was really sour is that my smartass of the week, the VAR official, <laughs> decided. That he thought it was a penalty and made the referee come back to the monitor. I mean, if, this, then, if
0: we were a soccer podcast, would there be anything other than VAR as a smart ass of the week? Uh,
1: probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a legit case of VAR just, you know, over-officiating a game. and Like, the call was initially right on the field, and then they ruined it later. And it sucks. Well, what was
0: interesting was VAR actually didn't call it a penalty. VAR just told the ref, hey, go look at it on the monitor.
1: Well, yeah, because they, uh, they can't actually rule the penalty, right? Right.
0: They just – well
1: – So the referee had to have changed his mind not, based on what he saw on the TV. Yeah,
0: not on, not on the penalty. Like anything that's uh, subjective like an offsides, yeah, VAR will rule on offsides. Hmm. Like if a goal is scored but, oh, there's a possible offsides, you know, they go to VAR and VAR says, yeah, offsides. They'll actually
1: draw the straight line. They'll draw the, the line, the, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, final three games of the Serie A season. I'll tell you what, uh, Milan, in my opinion, probably passed their toughest test out of the last four uh, match days uh, this past Sunday when they uh, took care of Fiorentina uh, with a late Talk goal. Talk about another
1: team that's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> right.
0: Um, but they're they're talented, so it was always always a worry. Um, Rafael Leal with a goal in the 82nd minute, put that one away, one nothing. Uh, Mike Magnan with an incredible save um, on Arturo Cabral's header, and yeah, Milan inch one step closer. So we'll see. It's going to be another nail biter this weekend. It's going to be the rest the rest of the way, but uh, hopefully, Inter drop drop points and, and help us along our journey. So, but uh, yeah, so. That is pretty much going to do it for us this week, episode 209 of the podcast, Living Off the Land. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We will be back next week, like I said, with a special guest and uh, next edition of the uh, 24 game. And uh, it's 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 going to be our last of the American sports. We'll see if we get into uh, some sock. I mean, soccer already does relegation, so... Um, I will
1: tease that I have a really good 24 game based on European soccer. Oh, it will wow. be a little different than the ones we've done up till now, but uh, maybe we'll do it uh, two or three weeks from now at the end of the European season. So, Okay,
0: cool. Well, anyway, uh, that's Steve. I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. See you. Bye.